Hey, good morning. Today we'll be talking about Brandon Franz's initiation into Hermetics. What I really enjoyed about this book is how it was sectioned into like manageable parts, with the first parts being about uh, theory and the later parts being about the actual practice. I believe that, you know, that's a good basis for any practitioner, like learning's a lot of base theory and learning all the fundamentals before diving headfirst into a practice. Another thing that I really love about the book is how it promotes self-actualizing, and what I mean by that is it does show, I wouldn't say it shows, like, every perspective of, like, the elements, because this book does go very, like, heavy into elemental theory, which I, which I like, but it doesn't go, like, as in-depth as, you know, some of the other books I've read on elemental theory. But what I really do love about it is how, how it promotes, like, self-actualization. It gives a lot of, like, base context to the elements. And then you can see how to uh, associate the elements in the different, different aspects of your life. So rather than being, like, you know, um, water, having an association with cups, and emotion, and this and that... It does talk about that a little bit, but it talks more about the different, like, aspects associated that can be um, attributed in the different parts of our lives. And understanding magic and associating it with different parts of your life and different, um, different behaviors that you possess, it's very um, important for magic and self-actualization in magic. The book's base theory basically starts talking about the microcosm and the macrocosm, and it is kind of, um, it'll be retouched on later, but essentially the microcosm is, like, the little pieces that reflect something bigger, right? Like a community, a place, a situation, man, um small working parts that are strongly associated with a bigger aspect. And the bigger aspect is generally, like, the world, the universe, like, if we're talking about microcosm and, like, a biology sense, it might be a small aspect of an e that is reflected within an even bigger ecosystem, right? But generally in magic, when we talk about the macrocosm and the microcosm. The microcosm is man and the macrocosm is uh, the divine, the universe, you know, what have you. Brandon compares the universe to a machine or a clock with different gears and different um, internal workings all grinding together and having a lot of intricate um, parts always kind of working, and those can be um, associated with universal law, like small things always working together. So it stays together even if it does seem nonsensical if you're looking at one teeny tiny aspect of it. It even talks about how the universe or how um, bigger esoteric ideas can always generally be broken up into the elements, such as the godhead, um, the overall divine man, like, a lot of things in magic can always be broken up into uh, the five elements. But now getting actually into the meat and potatoes of the book, where we do discuss the elements. 
people associate the elements with different aspects of reality and with them representing different aspects of reality they also have different correspondence and um you know they can be manipulated based on some of these things representation in the tarot works basically as followed the swords represent fire wands air cups water and pence or disc earth it's also important to note that most every culture has their own importance which they put upon the elements which generally has a lot and they also generally just have a lot of overall similarities um, mastery of the elements helps with understanding different principles and different laws of magic that can be used in many different ways. And he also said the first act of initiation is mastery, or at least an understanding of the elements in, a cult, in an occult sense. Which I really like, because I feel like nowadays there's such a shallow, shallow view of what the elements actually are. Um... Which is not, not to say anything poorly about those who may not understand them, but I feel like, I feel like there's such a very, I feel like there's just such a shallow understanding of them, but this book talks about the, um, Indian belief of, uh, the elements in a sense. It also says... The great mystery of creation has a lot to do with elements, and that's why they so sh they show up so much in the occult. And all the different perspectives shown in the book is what I really, really love about the book. It just shows, it just helps aid in learning the elements, right? Which is just so important, because, like, as magic and as, um, and as, um, divine knowledge has become more and more globalized, we see how it's all like influenced each other and then you have so many different resources to pull from to uh understand the importance of an aspect of magic now going on to elemental theory it discusses uh the ether as or the aether whichever as the first element and the element that all the other elements basically derived from right it's widely believed that the first element that came from the ether or aether was fire. This ele element didn't only manifest physically, but also it manifests in everything every cre ever created. Fire's basic qualities are heat and expansion. In the beginning, before anything as we knew it, there was just fire and light, or heat and light. The quote, there shall be light. The origin made there there needs to be fire so that man in a way can possess light. And there's a lot of um if you look at a bunch of different mythology, there's always like in lieu of the creation myth, there's always a myth based around fire, such as, you know, the myth of Prometheus, and this is always like this is also generally an allegory for divine wisdom, like the gift of divine wisdom to ma unto men, you know what I mean? So fire and divinity always kind of go hand in hand, especially in a more allegorical sense. Each element also possesses um, polarity meaning and a passive and active meaning, or a positive and a negative. The positive will always stand for creation and innovation and generally produces, like, 
it, it generally produces things. It generally creates things. While as the minus or the negative generally stands for a destructive aspect. These creation and destructive qualities will always be very prevalent in each element. And religion always kind of made good, like, always corresponded good with the active or the creation aspect, right? And they uh, noted evil as the passive, negative, or destructive one. But fundamentally, there is no such thing as good or evil. It's a human concept, and both are necessary in magic and uh, creation. For nothing in the universe is evil or good, it's all been created according to certain laws and divine principles. The fiery principle owns expansion. Expansion can be identical to an extension. Fire can be represented in all things, created as an extension or an expansion of the universe and the divine. And while it's also an extension and an expansion, things can manifest or expand in a destructive and corrupt way or a um, overwhelming way, you know? So I think that is one of the more negative aspects when we think about the polarity of fire. The universe, you know, started small and it was both visible and invisible and thanks to um, expansion of both um, the micro and macrocosm, it has expanded very much. The world has gotten both a lot bigger and a lot smaller. And another positive principle of fire is light. Fire without light is impossible. Impossible. A fiery element can be converted into light in some fashion. Fire involves shining, penetrating, expanding. Light is the opposite of darkness, which can be found in water, which we'll talk about in just a second. Light without darkness is unrecognizable. Next we have water, the second element to come from the ether. It has, you know, opposite qualities of fire, which is coldness and shrinkage. The active quality contributing to innovation, uh, shrinkage or contraction. While the passive quality, coldness, can have more dire consequences. Fire, the element, can also be found in all things since we really cannot exist without fire and water or vice versa. Fire and water represent uh, creation and duality because while they're opposite, they also both need each other in a sense. Or they're both needed in um, life and sustaining life. What I like about um, the first impression of water in this book is it doesn't come out the gate swinging with that um, emotional context, right? Because I think when we see um, the tarot card cups or um, a divination aspect of cups, we all, it always um, very strongly associates with a very emotional aspect, which coldness and shrinkage and that sort of stuff. But ever, ever, all of the elements can manifest in an emotional way. However, um, I like how water is shown... To be, to be able to manifest in other things, because I feel like a lot of the time it's just sub subjected to just being an emotional uh, element or just an emotional um, 
hard or whatever. Air is the third element to come from the ether. Most people don't give this role too much credit. It's often a mediator role between fire and water, which is um, very symbolic because when you add heat to water or if you like add water to something that's incredibly hot, what happens? It steams and that's a, a product of the air element. Air represents a neutral equilibrium. Um, acting as a medium between the active and passive traits of both fire and water. With interaction between water and fire and mediation of air, the whole concept of life became a thing because, you know, as human beings, we're always, um, we're always representing the two divine polarities and often walk the line between those two things, which can be greatly symbolic in this element. Air represents the warmth from fire and the humidity from water, giving life to a place where, like, give which can breathe life into a place where we can actually live. So air can also often be associated with the creation myth. Too much heat or too cold of an environment can would make life impossible, which can also be an allegory for how Earth is just at the perfect spot to provide life, much like how. Air is at the perfect spot to give a mediation between those two elements. The positive for air is life-giving. The negative is general destruction or a lack of duality and an imbalance from the middle pillar, which I'll talk about the middle pillar or the middle pillar book in a later episode. And these are physically ideas, but they're also divine and universal ideas. Because while this can be, while there's very literal examples with, I'm sorry about that, but not only do, um, not only does the physical idea of this element manifest, but also does, but also so does the divine aspect manifest as well. Earth is the last element to form from the ether. Like air, it doesn't have much in the way of creation, unlike fire and water do, but it does represent the solidification of material things. It's the final step of manifestation, and it gives shape to the other elements. However, the elements can be res restricted upon scientific and um, divine law. It still, like, it still gives a basis to... Um, how things can materialize. It also is associated with something, with the phrase, I shall be, because it is the um, act of being, it's the act of solidification in the material. Earth creates all earthly and physical things, which means the positive is physical creation, but the negative is destruction that um, creation and innovation can make. The ether is the divine. It's something that it can at times be inconceivable, but it has birthed the basis for all things. It's spaceless. It is timeless. It has a big association with God. Everything is kept in balance by it. It is um, a power to end all power, basically. But no one really knows what it is, except we know that things derive from it. We just don't know. We just can't really conceptualize it itself. Next in the book, it brings up um, karma very, very briefly, 
but it basically introduces it as a divine law, the law that causes an effect, that causes an effect, essentially. Each cause sets a corresponding effect. The law works everywhere and in everything as a sublime rule. Anything done has a result. Study hard for a test, pass the test. Men have an idea that goodwill will attract good, and evil generally attracts evil. A.K.A. well, if it isn't the consequences of my own actions, um, which fall, which also has a more and better quote from, whatso, whatsoever a man sows, that shall he reap. This law governs um elemental principles as well. Development is an aspect of karmatic law, a.k.a. well, if it isn't the consequences to my own actions. Um, But yeah, it's basically anything you do has an effect. Like, if you drop a stone in water, it'll create ripples, right? Like, I don't know, just doing things have an It just has an effect. Like, you can't live an effectless life. Now it goes into um, man as the microcosm, which at times is represented by the body. Everything of significance in the universe can be mirrored in man. Man is the microcosm, a small part of the macrocosm in the universe. That entire nature can manifest within man. The hermetic idea of health is that the body in both physical properties and metaphysical properties coexist in harmony with oneself which can which goes back back to the elements because it all it talks a lot about um that elemental balance of the body as well being aligned with the middle pillar demonstrating duality with simple elemental traits disharmony in in any area can cause an illness the book emphasizes that for a novice it's very important to look after your bodily health An outward expression of the human body is the garment the body wears. The body can represent divine beauty, divine aspects of nature. While beauty is subjective to be beautiful, divine, and healthy, you must make a balance in your home and body. Genuine health is a basic condition of spiritual health. We must do things to form our body in a divine way. So this book is saying... um, The elements, according to universal law, perform certain tasks such as building up the body, keeping it alive, dissolving it. The positive and active part is building up the body. The preserving part is what links the elements. And deconstruction and dissolving of the body is the quote-unquote negative. But as we said, there's really no negative or evil. It just is. And you can see um, this in not only a spiritual way, but just in how the body works. Like when you're growing up or you're in the act of living, you're always building up the body to some extent. Um, Neutral is when you preserve the body and the negative is the deconstruction of the body or death. Again, we can see uh, both fire and water because fire builds up the body, the water deconstructs the body, which are the two main uh, facets of life, and the air, the active mediator between the two, just preserves. Earth represents the body of a whole, uh, as as the whole, (laughs) containing the other elements, and it's the physical shell of the elements and the physical manifestation of the body.
adepts have divided men, men into three sections, the head being fire, representative of mental expansion, air in the chest, and the abdomen as water. Air being the mediator, again, dividing the two. Water in the abdomen represents uh, fluids or and organs associated with the body. Air with the lungs and chest. Earth representing the bones, flesh, and anything that holds the body together. The fiery principle represents electrical. Water represents magnetic fluid. Both of these um, fluids have two polar um, associations, the active and the passive one. These four poles represent a tetrapolar magnet, which is identical to the secret of the tetragrammaton. The book claims that um, the electromagnetic fluid in the human body is a product of animal magnetism. The right side of the body is active electric, which can make an individual right-handed, as the book states, the left hand is passive magnetic, which an individual possesses more of, they'll be left-handed. People should strive to make these things both equal and dual. The law of analogy is important in hermetic science. The knowledge of it will enable an adept to perform great workings. Hermetics see the consumption of food as fuel for the fire, as well as breathing. Oxygen and so oxygen and food just uh, fuel the furnace of the body. You should strive to eat like a varied diet. Don't limit the variety of what you can eat because it can form disharmony and illness. And this section of the book does kind of talk about um, different um, spiritual health things. But again, like if you have an illness, go see a doctor. Do not. Um, do not switch do, do not switch these two out um always see a doctor if you're actually facing a serious illness we also um they also associate uh, different human conditions for the elements such as if we work excessively we may feel thirsty which is a fiery principle if we feel tired it's an earth principle if we're cold it's a water principle if we're hungry it's an air principle However, the opposite side, a surplus, is associated with fire, fire, and it can make you learn for, yearn for more activity. Water both represents our bodily liquids and just like general working habits. Air moderates your food consumption, and earth can make you feel hypersexual. The final result is the circulation of life, which we manifested into existence. It thrives, ripens, and fades away, and it's a sense of... It brings a sense of evolution and expansion for all things created. Here it talks about the different polarities and effects on the human body, so... The head, the fourth, the fore part is electric, the back of the head is magnetic, and so is the right side, and the left side is electric, and so is the middle. The eyes, the fore part is neutral, so is the background. The right side is electric, and so it is with the left side. The inside is magnetical. The ears, the fore part neutral, back part also, right side magnetical, left side electrical, inside neutral. Mouth and tongue part neutral, back part as well, right part, right side and left side are both neutral, inside is magnetical. The neck, four part, 
back part, right side magnetical, left side and inside electrical. The chest, four part electromagnetical, back part electrical, right side neutral, left side electrical. The abdomen, a four part electrical, back part and right side magnetical, left side electrical and inside magnetical. The hands, four part neutral, back part also. Right side magnetical, left side electrical, inside neutral. Fingers of the right hand, fore and back part neutral, right side electrical, left side also, inside neutral. Fingers on the left hand, fore and back part neutral, right side electrical, left side as well, inside neutral. Feet fore and back part neutral, right side magnetical, and left side electrical, and inside neutral. Here we can see the different nuances to um, the elemental associations within the different aspects of our body are way more complex than one may think, and I think it's a good thing just to consider, and if you haven't, I recommend getting this book to have this as a reference. I did reference the human body being a furnace, but a lot of alchemists draw a connection to the Anthenor, which is a type of furnace made to maintain a certain heat for a long period of time, which is part of an alchemist's great work of making the Philosopher's Stone. Allegedly, this is what it says in the book. You can draw analogies from nature to the human body, nature, or condition. You can draw analogies with the elements, and you can do many things within your own mind and body. The earth element gives four pole magnets of polarity, which can affect the other elements. The fire principle gives liveliness in nature. It can also cause destruction in nature. Water gives the opposite effect of being restrictive and causing destruction, but in a different way. Air is the neutral mediator, again, between these two elements. Earth is just nature in a material form. With the polarity of water and fire, we can draw connections with them and associate certain fluids within the human body. Chemical effects within us and without us uh, that manifest in the physical world, they all happen in the physical world and can be associated with earth and the different elements associations. With specific properties of the human bodies being a composition of the elements, we can figure different things out and do different types of working and practices with material and non-material objects. Hermeticists believe that um, electric vibration is generally attracted by magnetic fluid. This has an attract this attraction affects everything in the material world and uh, the attraction is called weight. He compares gravity to a magnetic connection. They also compare Earth to a huge magnet with both magnetic and electrical energy. This mirrors the human body, as we uh, just discussed. And it also talks about uh, how physics ripped off different alchemical and magic theory. And, um, yeah. Things showing, things showing in one thing, it can also reflect in something else. And be attributed to a great many other things. The divine can always be reflected in the primal and vice versa, meaning as above, so below. The elemental process on different planes can, or using the elemental process on different planes can trigger a physical result in uh, the material plane. 
this book is 90% um, elements with the sprinklage of other things that also represent the elements is how I would put it. Um, so the next part, uh, Brandon said, death is nothing but a transitional stage into another stage, which is very representative of the tarot death card. The world has emerged from the divine. The world is also kept in control of the same principles, aka the divine. Knowing electric energies and magnetic energies and how they work in the world and how they mirror the human body is what makes a hermetic practitioner adept. This part I call different aspects of something related to the body, but it's far from the physical aspect of the body, and it talks about... It briefly mentions the soul and astral body, so... The soul basically comes from the element ether and is a subtle vibration of the divine in everyone, is how it's basically um, mentioned. The soul and astral body will behave similarly to a, to a regular human body with electric and magnetic fluids and elemental associations. The body's magnetism or gravity basically connects the soul with the body. This takes place with the analogy of the body, its elements, and also the body to uh, the earth. It's also very clear on saying that the soul is not an aura, and the astral matrix is the electromagnetic energy that connects the body with the soul. So there is a, a difference there. Now we go into the elemental principles and aspects of the soul. Uh, in the soul, the fire principle causes construction, uh, constructive behavior. Water is animating, air balances, earth uh, is for thriving and preserving because without, uh, you know, I guess you can uh, link um, associations with the physical body and the astral body and vice versa. Like we said, um, Doing different things on different planes can affect uh, things on different planes, so I think that's where that association comes through. The astral body performs uh, the same functions as a normal body. Man's five senses are based around the five elements. We see the senses through both the material body and astral body. Due to the development of the spirit, spirit it can have different electromagnetic vibration frequencies than... Um, the soul or the physical body we have. The different elements, aspects, and behaviors of the soul can correspond to the chakras and different behaviors within the soul. After, um, you know, those chapters, it talks about personal truth and actualization of one's own reality. Man is actually a microcosm, which is the small part, um, even with all the astral, mental, and earthly bodies, the macrocosm represents a much bigger idea, which is truth. Many adepts find their own personal truth using occult sciences to learn about their many bodies. However, there's a bigger scale of truth, which um, has many different encompassing theories, and it all manifests differently for each adept. Truth depends on the inside of the individual. It is impossible for every single human being to have the exact same truth, so it's hard to find out. There's no guide for finding your own truth, really. You can just do 
similar exercises and your own learning, but there's, I can't turn to you and be like, hey, this is the truth because it's going to manifest differently for me than it is for you. Only an adept who conducts experiments can find an alleged absolute truth. And there seems to be certain elements of absolute truth that most people can agree with. And you can't really tell people the truth if they're not ready to hear it. There's a quote that says, Do not cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet. Which means, um, truth comes from the ability to identify knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge exists in all domains of human consciousness and perspective. It's based on your reality and how you view the world. It's easier, it's easier to win knowledge than wisdom. While both wisdom and knowledge seem identical, they difficult. They differ. And where they differ is the source of wisdom is within the, within the divine. Therefore, wisdom is independent on enriching the mind in an, academic, in an academic sense, but enriching your mind in the divine or spiritual sense. Wisdom can be seen as a developmental stage in the ego where, ins, where insight comes from inspirations and intuitions. How wise you are is dependent on how developed you are. Knowledge and wisdom must go hand in hand. Neither should lag behind the other in development. If both ideas, if both ideas strike together, you will become an adept. One of the first main laws in Hermetics is the idea of the four-pole magnet, which basically represents all the elements, including the divine and the influence of electromagnetic energies or elemental energies. This magnet exists on all planes, and it's kind of how they believe magic works. He who carries the torch in his hand, the light of which will penetrate the night of ignorance, which essentially just means um, someone who's well-versed in the truth or has a pretty good idea of truth uh, within themselves can better identify um, ignorance and better traverse um, the ignorance of man. Brandon also brings up uh, religion and how every religion both has good and bad points. So, you know, take what you would like from religion and just realize that while there is truth in everything, sometimes people don't necessarily focus on the truth. Each religion has a proper principle for God. However, most magicians will be unsatisfied with church doctrines and strive for a deeper meaning and a different uh, and deeper workshop with God. Each magician will find their own truth, hence forming their own religion, because there's as many uh, religions as there are people on earth. And the religion will uh, process and form uh, according to themselves in universal law. The maturity of religion depends on the person developing the religion. Now the author talks about God, and basically man has always believed there's something beyond man's understanding which he idolizes, where it is just um, an idea or something that was personified. Anything a man couldn't understand, he basically said, oh, because... You know, because God or the all or the divine said so. With these beliefs, other entities and folklore have been birthed around things man didn't quite understand. So, you know, de demons, spirits, and other gods, while they were worshipped, um, 
it was kind of a mixture of fantasy and reality because it kind of stood for a phenomenon that um, couldn't be understood or explained at the time. They also represented um, divinity within their own rights, within their stories, symbolism, and um, many, many other attributes. The difference between um, a common person understanding God and the magician's understanding of God is the common man sees God as something he cannot comprehend, so he doesn't. The magician tries to understand God from the angles and perspectives from which he has learned. He strives for union with the Godhead, becoming one with God, or aka becoming one with in yourself. But in performing union with God, he may go through a symbolic death to achieve euphoria. You generally must have a symbolic death sometime within uh, a practice to achieve an adept, an adept status. God from the perspective of the elements, the fire, fiery principle invokes the almightiness and the omnipotence. The airy principle owns wisdom, purity, clarity from which the aspect proceeds. Universal lawfulness, love, eternal life are attributed to the watery principle, the omnipresence, immortality, and consequence, and the consequent eternity belong to the earth principle. These four aspects together represent the Supreme Godhead. God is in everything and everywhere. Traveling to the Godhead will reveal that God is within you. The final part is now we talk about the exercises. And the first one is the discipline of thoughts, where you attempt to try to gain control over your own mind. You can do this by having thoughts and just observing them quietly and just not dwelling on them. While observing your thoughts, you will notice little tricks within yourself on how to control your thoughts simply by acknowledging them. Try to recognize the train of thought for at least 10 minutes daily. So just practice uh, mindfulness and practicing, um, practice the observation of your train of thought. At first, the train may be rushed and be fast and abrupt, but as you start to acknowledge and gain a realization over it, it will become more and more calm. Paying keen attention to your thoughts is important, especially within magic. The next exercise is try to separate your work self from your home self. Keep both thoughts and affairs in their own, own realm. Doing this will keep a sharp mind. Now try holding on to a single thought for longer than a period of time while suppressing other thoughts or obstruction. Try to follow this one idea for about 10 minutes. Now dismiss all the thoughts from your head. Do not let them come to the surface. Head empty, no thoughts. Try doing this for a full 10 minutes. And be honest while you, um, be honest uh, with yourself while you do these exercises and you know, keep a journal, be honest, with both successes and failures, this will help uh, self-knowledge and, you know, without self-knowledge, there will be no ad personal advancement. Keep a note of your mind and keep a note of your behaviors and also try to associate them with the elements because it'll just help you think in more of an occult way. It'll also help you um, better understand the world around you and yourself. 
When breathing, it's also important to note that oxygen is the fire element, nitrogen the air element, hydrogen water element, and carbon dioxide the earth element. So just, you know, important uh, aspects, especially when you're meditating and you're noticing um, the different reactions within your body as well. The next exercise is have an image in your head that is so strong that the air you are in inspiring imprints upon the idea that you desire that this idea that you are desiring will become a reality. Have no doubts when thinking or manifesting this idea and start with taking seven breaths, like seven intentional breaths in both morning and night while slowly increasing it over time and keep doing this till your desire has been accomplished. And remember to write down your thoughts, um, your feelings, the elemental associations, and your book of mirrors. You may think these are incredibly basic exercises, but these are all for mental training. A magician is a master of their own mind. Strengthening willpower and mental concentration will only help you and, um, your magical endeavors. Another um, experiment or practice that may help you is put an object in front of you, look at it, close your eyes, and try to reimagine it perfectly. Over time, you'll be able to make the ab object last longer and longer within your imagination, and you'll be able to see it more vividly. This will definitely help with more ritualistic, ceremonial, and manifestation works. Soon practice doing it with your eyes open. Like, can you, like, use your imagination and imagine a shape with your eyes open? It also matters when you're in the act of manifesting to how you is thinking about how you phrase things to yourself. The final exercise I'll suggest from this book is um, meditation utilizing all five senses. So we did talk about uh, picturing, looking at something and picturing it perfectly with your mind and with your eyes open. However, um, a lot of people believe that um, having mastery over um, your mind is also being able to uh, stimulate um, all five of your senses while meditating. So like start easy, right? So imagine like a chocolate chip cookie, right? Imagine... Um, Imagine it within your mind, then imagine the smell of it, imagine the fear, the feel of it, and imagine the sound of you just breaking it in half, and imagine uh, you tasting it, and if you can, and keep working on it slowly over time till you can successfully stimulate um, all five senses, and all five senses also have, you know, an, ele an elemental significance. So acknowledging those things and acknowledging the elements within yourself and acknowledging the elements within every aspect of your practice is also very important for your book of mirrors. That is kind of it for today. Um, I really did love this book. It is one of the first books that I um, sought after myself rather than just... Um, following what other people were telling me to read at the time. This was kind of my first book that I uh, found myself. And though some points may be a little, some points may make you raise your eyebrows, especially in the more modern day about, um, you know, uh, the health. Like when I read the health aspect, I was looking at all my notes and it was like, 
oh, like, what what is it? Like, essential mom health tips or essential oils help health mom tips, you know, or something like that. But honestly, I really, really enjoyed this book. And I thought it was so helpful, especially um, all the little exercises and ideas and ways to think about magic and yourself in a more um, divine way to help with um, manifestation as a whole. So I hope you do read this book yourself, and um, if you have, tell me about it, tell me if you liked it or not, and I'll see you later.